I'm Jenny Mackler, and for this podcast, I've interviewed staff at the U.S. Embassy in Ghana to ask about how culture plays into what the roles and responsibilities are to be a good citizen. Each person was asked about the culture in their home country and how that translates into being a good citizen. First, I spoke with Daniel Mensah, who is a part of Ghana's Ga community. He was born in Osu and now lives in Teshi. Here's what he believes to be the most essential part of his culture. I would definitely say family because um, there was no way in the Bible that God said, obey me and be disrespectful to your parents. Because I believe um, the unity in family, the love that is inculcated in every family, originally brings the presence of God. And even God said that if a man cannot really manage his family well, he mm-hmm. cannot manage God's church. Mm-hmm. So to me, the essential, what really makes me a true Ghanaian, mm-hmm. the happiest person, is my family. Next, I spoke with Wambui from the Kikuyu tribe in central Kenya. Here's what Wambui thought was most essential to her culture. I belong to one of the largest tribes. So that means growing up in a very diverse environment. Uh, because every tribe has its own culture, has its own traditions, has its own everything. And so from very young, you're taught how to live cohesively as one. Uh, It's not always easy, and some of the conflicts have come out of that tribal difference. But I think as people get more education, you become broader, and you begin to appreciate the oneness and the strength in that diversity that each of us brings something different, some different strength. And so if we put it all together, uh, then we become a very strong country. Mm -hmm. If we use it to divide ourselves, we become the weakest because we are dividing by 47. We would rather multiply. I live in a rural setting. uh, And in the rural area, everybody's business is everybody else's business. As I grew older, I actually started calling that community insurance. So whatever, whatever you do, the little you do, and there is nobody poor or rich not to be involved in the community because you bring whatever it is that you can. You can bring your time, you can bring your labor, you can bring resources like money if you have money, and nothing is seen as small. As long as you are participating, when it is your turn to need that community, they rally around you. But if you believe like you have money and therefore you don't need the community, one day you're going to need them. Then I spoke with Yvonne from Cape Coast, as well as William, who is from the Volta region. This is what Yvonne and William thought were essential parts of Ghanaian culture. So there's this saying that charity begins at home. I don't know if it's out there, but (laughs) it's something we work with here. So as a Ghanaian, it's very important that growing up, you learn a lot of things. Learn how to cook, learn how to clean, learn how to do all that. The boys go out and play, watch TV, but the girls are required to stay in the kitchen to learn everything their mom is learning. At home, we train our children from scratch. My boy, who is uh, 13 years now, can cook, he, he can wash, he can do many things that's like, not on to the other side of the world. At those ages, like don't do anything and all that. And when we all come together, everybody contributes to support. And then some labor 
work that, oh, this one, put this one there, this one, try to do this. But I want to come together like this for the formula. Mm -hmm. The family members from afar will come together. Some will be fetching water, some will be gathering firewood, some will be doing this, will be doing that, others will be cooking. And before you realize, a big thing is done mm -hmm. in the shortest possible time. Yeah, Africans too, we like to party a lot. We don't <laughs> like having small <laughs> gatherings like a small getaway weddings. We don't believe in getaways because family has to be involved. Compared to like other cultures, it's like it's always big. Even a funeral, like you find all sorts of people long distance. It's like part of our culture, mm -hmm. like because we see people who are like who have gotten a little of the Western culture in them and then we look at them and like, hmm, this guy is not raising their kids well. Mm -hmm. But we, very typical Ghanaians, look back and see this child is not being brought up well. Mm -hmm. So when you grow up and then you don't know how to do certain things, we call you a spoiled brat. Because mm -hmm. we expect that as a Ghanaian girl, you should know how to do certain things. You should know how to cook, you should know how to clean, you should know how to be a wife when you grow up. Next, I asked Wambui what was the biggest problem facing her country. She began by describing how people in Kenya can be united at certain times, but how in other times of trouble, people become more divided. So if you take athletics, because we are known for our athletics, our athletes, they are very good you know, globally. So if they are winning, we forget which tribe we come from. Oh. <laughs> Or where the winner comes from. If it's soccer or football, as they call it, we are winning. If there's, uh, we are celebrating like an Independence Day or something big, we are one. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to sharing resources, sharing positions, political power, that is when we divide. Because everybody wants their tribe to be the one, you know, getting the, the lion's share. Now here's what Yvonne had to say about the biggest problem facing Ghana. Ghanaians are very, they don't think about people. Mm. They think about enriching themselves. So it's, it's, it's a problem like way up there and it trickles down. So for instance, I've walked into the office, I need to get a national ID card. Mm. It's a very simple process. They said they take pictures of you, blah, 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 blah. You should have it in a few seconds. But because they want to have extra money going into their pockets. They'll go like, oh, it's a long process. We have to do this, we have to do that, we have to do this. And then even the printing takes forever, but <laughs> we can cut queue and then, which is not true. And you need the document to process something. So you are forced to pay that money and then, yeah. Next, William and Yvonne discuss how another big problem in Ghana is resource management. Ghana is actually rich. Ghana is not a poor country at all, yeah. but because of the lack of management, we have all it takes to be rich and to live good here in Ghana. We have gold here, we have diamond, now we have oil, we have Boxites, timber, we have bauxite, so many. Have and lands. I, don't, I don't even know what we don't have here. So you realize that it's lack of management that is causing all this difficulty, so you have my way. Switching gears, I next asked Daniel what it means to be a good citizen in Ghana. Um, for someone to become a good citizen, we all recite the pledge. One of the, the first two, three lines of our pledge is, I promise on my honor to be faithful and loyal to my motherland. The word loyalty, if you're loyal, you 
focus and discipline. If you're a lawyer, you know, be corrupt. You make sure the right thing is done. So to me, the best way or the best uh, um, explanation I can give to a good citizen in Ghana is to just go by what our pledge says. It is all embedded, even the word only loyalty. But if Daniel could change one thing about Ghana, he wishes that more people had the discipline to think about the other people that are around them. But one thing I can boldly speak about that I wish it to change in the Ghana community, Greater Accra, and then in Ghana as a whole is mm -hmm. discipline. That is indiscipline. Mm -hmm. um, I feel the bottom line or the undermining factors of some of the traits, some of the issues, some of the challenges you have in the community mm. and in the country as a whole has got to do with indiscipline. When I sit back and I look at how things are being done, how productivity is being affected, even to the extent of um, corruption and to yeah, the extent yeah. of how the economy is not growing, I think indiscipline mm. runs through everything. Then I asked Wambui what she would change about Kenya. I think what I would change is the, the people's, uh, you know, attitudes towards politicians, mm -hmm. like thinking they are there to solve your problems. Mm -hmm. Because I think we in the community are strong enough. We can change our own society, our own community. But there is there is a number of people who believe that the politician is going to solve all your issues. So if you elect a certain individual, they will solve your problems. And that's why people kill each other, because they think if X comes to power, then I will not get what I want. But whatever Y you voted for, they come to power, you don't get anything either. So if you can believe in yourself, uh, demand from government to give peace, to share resources fairly, then you shouldn't be over-worried about the politicians. The other thing I would change is make sure everybody has a minimum package, you know, just to start, so that they be can become constructive members of society. When I asked Wambui how she would improve Kenya, she responded confidently with better education. So I began to see education as a game changer, that it can elevate people so that they are able to generate their own resources. Because once that family becomes independent, you don't have to worry about that particular family. Then you can worry about another one. And that if we can make our education free or affordable and accessible to everybody, we will not solve all the problems in society, but we will certainly make a dent. Moving on to a larger scale, I asked each person what they believed to be the biggest issue facing our world today. All this economic hardship, I would rather tailor it one word to mean economic hardship. And it didn't start now. There's still more or less like a prophecy that is written in the Bible. But as time goes on, knowledge shall increase. Mm -hmm. and there will be more economic hardship. It's possible that um, 2030, mm -hmm. it, will be, it will be much difficult than now. It's, it's going to get worse as we go on. Things are going to get hard. You okay. just have to adjust yourself, 
step up the beats and then <laughs> see how possible you can match up with the challenges. I haven't understood. I did history, I did geography, and I have not actually comprehended why human beings we are as self-centered as we are. Because I don't think one human being, no matter how much money you have, you can actually just depend on yourself. And so I think that, you know, taking your own territory, protecting it, trying to insulate it from your neighbor, from your <laughs> family, from everybody you want to insulate yourself. I think that's the biggest issue, thinking that you can do it alone. Look at Ukraine. It's a small country. There's trouble there. And it's affecting everybody in the universe. True, yeah. That is how connected we are. Say, okay, you, you bring up your family. They are the only ones getting education. Everybody else around them is not getting educated. You have a stone wall, but you still need to get outside that gate and go outside. Yes. And when you're outside your gate, you depend on those people. So even if you bring up your children with everything and everybody else doesn't have something, they are going to have a rough time. So, and I also think the other issue about the world is the climate. The environment, we really need to protect our environment. I cry every time I see somebody cutting a tree and they are not planting another one. They are not planting two others. And before you know it, like now in Kenya, we are into construction. So we are co creating what I call concrete jungles. And you're cutting trees, putting up a structure. There's not a single tree. There's nothing, it's just concrete. I think as humans, we are going to pay for that, yeah. and very soon. I think capitalism, to me, what I could think of on the fly, because mm -hmm. when you're having certain people in society who have so much money, and it's like they're controlling how things are done, it creates a lot of, I don't know, so I wish, if I had my own way, I wish we would have a socialist community globally. Mm -hmm. So that like everybody benefits. We don't have someone richer than the other. Everybody, because you go to a country, the standard of living is so high. Mm -hmm. But it's just certain people who can afford what is being produced or what is being sold in shops and whatever. Like, it's, it's, it's crazy. There's a saying that uh, unity is strength. If we all agreed on one thing, no matter how heavy this thing is, and the three of us agree that we want to carry it, put our strength together, we're able to do it. Even Africa trying to unite as one um, continent, and it's become blind, they cannot do it. Because each country has something special that if we all bring it together, will have been able to do great things. But everybody want to be a hero, want to be super, mm -hmm. um, what do you call it? Uh, su uh, um, a superhero. A superhero, <laughs> and therefore, you're not going to give the other country an opportunity to do whatever they do, or has it in the other way. Everybody wants to be on his own and rule his own world. Mm -hmm. That is giving the world a problem now. A big thank you to Daniel, Wambui, Yvonne, and William for taking part in these interviews.